1: Welcome to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers. Leaders are the heartbeat of any organization. Let Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler share with you the pathway to becoming a top leader in your organization. Now, here are your hosts, Dr. Greenberg and Dr. Nadler. Welcome to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices
2: of Top Performers. I'm Dr. Relly Nadler. We have my esteemed co-host, Dr. Kathy Greenberg, who will be with us in just a moment. Between Kathy and I, we have helped thousands of leaders and executives to perform in the top 10%. And we always like to bring people who are on the cutting edge of uh, of consulting and leadership. And today, we have Pascal Dennis. Now, Pascal, we had on our show, I think, last year. He's written a new book that we want to highlight. It's called Reflections of a Business Nomad, Stories and Poems from the Road. So Pascal is the president of a management consultancy, it's called Lean Pathways, and Pascal started keeping a daily journal when he regularly traveled. So three weeks uh, out of a month for work. He's also the author of five other business books and combines his experience from doing business around the world into this new book that will highlight reflections of a business nomad. It's a collection of his musings about everything from flight delays and meetings to conversations with cab drivers, often peppered with historical and philosophical references uh, such as Virgil and Epictetus. And for our leaders uh, who are listening, I think many of us travel, and I think uh, it'll be interesting to hear some of his insights. Pascal grew up in a Greek restaurant in downtown Toronto, the Imperial Grill and he often figures in his groups and his books. Uh, he's the winner of four Shingo Prizes for Excellence. He's the author of Lean Production Simplified, Andy and Me, and Getting the Right Things Done, and The Remedy. Pascal studied Aikido for 15 years and was an instructor for the Toronto uh, Akike. He plays guitar and piano and has been a member of several dreadful bands, Maybe we'll hear about that. He lives in Toronto with his life, wife, uh, Pamela, and three children. So we'll give you a little bit more information about Pascal in a moment, but I also want to introduce Kathy Greenberg. Hi, Dr. Kathy Greenberg. <laughs>
3: Hello, Dr. Raleigh Nadler. We're going to have a fun show today, hopefully, uh, with Reflections of a Business Nomad. Um, I've been reading the book, and it's delightful. But I think what's really interesting um, is the way that um, Pascal lays out the business traveler's importance of being present. So I hope we get to that as well.
2: Yes, yes. Well, let me say a little bit about you, just for people who don't know you. And, you know, Kathy and I have been doing this show, you know, about five or six years now, and I think we have anywhere from what our producer says about 50,000 downloads a month. So a lot of people are listening to this, and so you know Kathy. But Kathy has authored multiple books on the science of happiness, including What Happy Companies Know. She has the number one bestseller, What Happy Working mothers Know. She touches millions of lives as a TV, radio, and media personality. And she also can be heard uh, for her friendly tips on the ABC show, The Morning Blend. She has a new iPhone app, Your Happiness Now, which you can see pictures of Kathy, and it has excerpts of her book. And you can visit her at h2cleadership.com for free downloads. And also, Kathy and I share a website, ExcelInstitute.com, that has a lot of free information for our listeners. So thanks, Kathy, for being a part of this.
3: Hey, Raleigh. Thanks for um, that very nice introduction. Um, As we look at today's show... Not only do we want to make sure that everybody knows who, you know, Pascal is, and obviously they know who I am, it's important, I think, that they know that you are a master level certified executive coach, a psychologist, a corporate leadership, and team trainer. Um, You are a delight to work with, and thank goodness you bring your legendary expertise in emotional intelligence to your everyday work, including your keynotes and consulting, coaching, and development programs that everybody absolutely learns from and it's amazing how quickly people absorb all of your tools. I also think it's important for people to know that your latest and top ranked book, Leading with Emotional Intelligence, provides hundreds of tools and strategies to develop star performers um, with very, I would say, with very little time and energy. As we like to say in the show, we like to have micro-initiatives that have, you know, macro impact, and you sure do help us do that. You know, for those of you who don't know Relly, his highly respected work is the focus of countless business journals, blogs, and online news features. And his programs, of course, are a mainstay at leading Fortune 500 companies. You can visit Relly at truenorthleadership.com for his free iPhone app called, uh, you know, uh, Leadership Keys. And um, there's so many downloads that we'd love to share with you at ExcelInstitute.com, and hopefully you'll be able to access your best performance through emotional intelligence by uh, sharing all the good news at TrueNorthLeadership and Excel.com with your colleagues and friends. And I think, um, you know, Raleigh, what might be helpful before we bring Pascal on is to talk about a few points of interest on why Leadership Development News... Um, has been such a success for so many years and why we we're getting those 50,000 uh, downloads on average per show.
2: Sure, Kathy. Well, I think one of the reasons is there is a shortage of uh, leaders in skilled training. So 40% of organizations are saying that they don't have enough skilled and trained leaders. And we like to say that there's this, you know, converging chaos. It's a brain drain. And one of the reasons why there's are so little leaders is that we've lost 8 million jobs because of the Great Recession. The retiring baby boomers, kind of the tune of 10,000 or so a day, are, are retiring and leaving a shortfall of about 10 million uh, workers uh, that we're going to have to fill over the next four or five years. And then Gen X and Gen Y, the folks who are going to assume these leadership. Uh, positions, have been noted to have a little less emotional intelligence. And the only reason is they're spending more hours in front of their uh, screen, computer, or their phone, and therefore less hours in front of people dealing with having to manage themselves, dealing with having to change their message, dealing with having to read what's going on for the individual. So because there's less of those cues, there's less of time of dealing with the, uh, the emotional intelligence aspects that we like to talk about. And the good news is um, you can change your emotional intelligence. You can enhance your leadership. And leaders, we like to say, are the emotional thermostat for the team. And that's why they have so much importance. Anywhere from 50 to 70% influence over the climate of the team really comes from the leader. They're the emotional thermostat. They set the temperature. And um, one of the things that we know is if they have training, That's very helpful. They can get a 22% bump in in productivity. But if you add training and coaching, which both I do, Kathy does, and and Pascal does, you can get about an 88% bump in productivity. And so that's why we want to present some of these tools and tips, and then we're available as resources uh, to folks to raise their performance and emotional intelligence. And one of the good news is that you can change, we can change. And, Kathy, this idea of the set point is always helpful to know what can we change what can't we change.
3: Well, you know, it's fascinating. Um, we do a lot of programs that include neuroscience and the brain plasticity. And some of us forget that uh, just doing a few things differently can make a big impact. And one of those things is knowing that happiness does have a set point, like weight and hair color. Um, and we know even the best news that we can deliver to all of our listeners is that 40% of this set point is influenced totally by our habits and behaviors. So as we look at how we can become more resilient, what works for us as an energizer, um, we can actually teach ourselves to use very simple habits of heart and mind um, to be our most successful and to be our best. And, um, you know, one of the things that we, we know is that 50% of genetics is the baseline, and that could be a predisposition for a glass half full or a glass half empty. But that 40% that we can influence totally by our habits and behaviors are so important to us, and it doesn't matter that that 10% is not changeable. That 10% could be environmental things such as, mortgage rates or the cost of gas, you know, those things we're not going to be able to change. But the 40% that we can influence, those habits of hearts and minds that we can engage in on a daily basis, just getting fresh air at lunch, eating less salt, eating less sugar, um, being more mindful about how we spend our time, uh, having some adaptive strategies for backup plans in the event that how we planned our day doesn't necessarily turn out to be the way it runs. So just doing a few things differently can really make a big difference in how we can change that set point, increase our resilience, our human flourishing, and our overall life satisfaction. Well, thank you, Kathy. So we're going to uh,
2: go to our first uh, break here, and then we're going to bring on Pascal, and we're going to uh, hear about his, his musings and some of the very interesting things um, you know he's learned um, from being a consultant for so many years and really focusing around uh, lean processes. All right, so this is Leadership Development News, and we'll be right back. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7.
0: Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN.
1: You're listening to leadership development news, profiles, and practices of top performers with your hosts, Dr. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions for these noted experts, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show.
2: Welcome to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of of top performers. And today we're with Pascal uh, Dennis. We're going to have him talk about his... Uh, new book, Reflections of a Business Nomad. You can get this book at www.reflections-of-a-business-nomad.com. And so we're going to highlight with Pascal. I gave a little bit of intro before. Uh, Pascal and I have, have shared some uh, a client in the past, and so we've known each other for a few years uh, professionally. He's developed his skills, around uh, lean processes on the Toyota shop floor in North America and in Japan by working with major international companies. He is uh, on the fa- a faculty member of Lean Enterprise Institute, um, and we're really uh, intrigued to hear about this new book. Last time we had you, uh, we, one of the questions we always asked is, what are you working on, and you were working on this book, so now it's a fun, fun opportunity to hear about it. So, Pascal, maybe we can talk a little bit, you know, jump into uh, our question. Your book, you know, represents an unusual mix of engineering and poetry. And how the heck do you ever connect these? <laughs>
6: uh, well, it's it's a good question, uh, Relly And it, it's funny. Uh, I was trained in business and engineering, but my electives were always, uh, you know, psychology, uh, uh, you know, literature, uh, sociology, um And it's funny, in my mind, uh, engineering, business, and prose, poetry uh, are all the same Hmm. because they're all about making things. And, uh, you know, the ancient Greek word... on, on which poetry, the word poetry is based. Uh, poetry means a made thing, so a poem is really a made thing. Mm. It's like a cabinet or a circuit board, you know, and um, Steve Jobs always talked about the importance of every line being straight, every corner, every angle, even if you couldn't see it, and, and that represents that attention to detail. So, you know, a prose piece or a cabinet or a circuit board or an iPod or something are all made things. So is, is unusual as it may sound, to me it's all the same. Hmm. So all my uh, the training in engineering and all the reading and reflecting that I've done on, say, philosophy or psychology, you know, reading your books and Kathy's books, uh, all come to the same point.
3: Now, Pascal, you bring up an interesting point, which is, to stay on task and, you know, kind of the details. And we would be remiss if we didn't ask you our famous question at the top of the show, which is, who have been the most influential people in your career that you can think of right now?
6: Uh, gosh, the, the most influential people in my career, um, probably uh, the most influential was uh, uh, the president of... Uh, Toyota Motor Manufacturing Canada, a a great uh, man named uh, uh, Andy Watanabe, and he's a very senior leader now in Toyota, um, and he helped to build our plant. uh, When I say uh, uh, auto plant, I mean basically a city. You know, it's 5,000 people and several million square feet, so it's really a community. And uh, Mr. Watanabe had a profound influence on me, mainly... Interestingly enough, not just because he had profound engineering and business knowledge, but because of a deep sense of ethics, you know, a sense of what's right and wrong, which he uh, lived every day. So he was on the factory floor every day reinforcing the basics, the basic values. Uh, For example, safety uh, was always first. One of my jobs uh, at Toyota Cambridge was safety manager. they made made it clear to me that I could shut down the factory at a cost of $10,000 a minute. If uh, there was an unsafe condition, so I think Mr. Watanabe more than anybody else, uh, because of that emphasis on, you know, root integrity and and values, which which I've tried to reflect in uh, reflections of a business nomad. So Pascal, uh,
2: in your book, you uh, and we're going to highlight some of the aspects there. You end up talking about some of these um, cardinal values. Which you know I know just from you know some of the leadership work, um, but there are things like uh, temperance and prudence and and they are recurring themes in your writing. so why do these kind of ancient uh ideas you know what do they have to offer someone in the twenty first century
6: well the uh you know the cardinal virtues uh, that you mentioned and the great virtues uh, in general really um are really the foundations of uh, of human life, you know, because they tell us what's right and what's wrong. Uh, and the link, as I said earlier, to say engineering and business is I learned at at Toyota that standards are the foundation for everything, and standards tell us when we have a problem. So standards of life are, you know, the the core virtues. And um, nowadays, are uh, you know, it, it's it's a lot of people have written about it really the last hundred years many institutions have uh, have uh, declined that they used to provide um, those uh, foundational elements you know that basic sense of right and wrong so mm-hmm. you know I think you know people like you and I and like Kathy have uh, have a responsibility to try to, to help fill the breach you know fundamentally I think uh, the emotional intelligence or you know what we were talking about earlier the uh, uh, the happiness quotient and training and coaching and um, leadership are all about helping people understand what's right and what's wrong so that we can do better uh, not just as organizations but as a society so um, uh, you know uh, in summary, uh, some of our foundations have uh, withered away in the past 50, 60, 100 years, and uh, people are hungry for that uh, kind of fundamentals so in leadership. We both, we all three of us work with senior leaders, and, and I've noticed a real hunger. You know, they need to know what's right and what's wrong, because you don't always get that in engineering school or in business school. So uh, in a small way, what I've tried to do with this book is just shift the discourse Business a little bit towards fundamental values, fundamental virtues. Well, one of the things that I think is so good about that, you know, and this is
2: some some of my early influences were some of the work of Stephen Covey, you know, who really and his PhD dissertation studied success, but went back hundreds of years, you know, didn't study what was the most recent, which was more kind of technique oriented, and you know, and all his kind of principle based things. It sounds like you're. Of going back to something, you know, bringing that
6: back also, which is so important. Yeah, exactly right. Uh, You know, I I consider, uh, you know, Mr. Covey, Dr. Covey, a great sensei, a great teacher of uh, the fundamentals, you know. Mm. And, uh, you know, it's not a stretch to say that everything he tried to teach was rooted in uh, the ancient values, ancient uh, virtues that every great religion shares, you know. Mm. Principles based leadership is just that, I would argue. Right, right.
3: Pascal, you're a successful international management consultant and author, yet I, I notice many of the pieces and reflections deal with the underdog, you know, the crazy cabbies, uh, the Mexican workers uh, like we have right here in Tucson trying to feed their families, uh, mentally handicapped people, people whose factories are facing closure um, with with very little hopes of a future. Why are you so interested in the underdog, and why should a business – mindset, like ours, be focused on these people?
6: Uh, well, good question, uh, uh, Kathy. Uh, you know, as uh, as Raleigh mentioned in the intro, I grew up in a, a Greek restaurant in downtown Toronto. It was a family diner, and uh, a family diner is the ultimate open stage. You know, anybody and everybody can come in, and um you make friends with people. You uh, uh, are part of a community, and I, I think that teaches uh, a sense of compassion uh, and. Um I couldn't help, uh, you know, uh, become interested in people's lives because we were part of their, uh, their life. You know, the, the Imperial Grill is where people came to hang out. It was, it was the place in the neighborhood. So, um, there were down and outers, there were architects, there were business people, there were crazy cabbies, et cetera. So I just got really comfortable, uh, asking people questions. And, uh, I, my family laughs whenever we're traveling as a family and we're in a cab. I'll start chatting with a cab driver, and my my 18-year-old daughter will roll her eyes. Here we go again. And within a couple of minutes, he, you know, he's telling me his story. You know, I'm from Djibouti, and I barely escaped, uh, you know, the extremists, and uh, I've got four jobs here, and I'm hoping to bring my... Mother, and uh, by the way, you got to try this Djiboutian restaurant uh, at so and so and so and so. And uh, uh, you know, I think the 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 deeper meaning for me is that when you travel, you have to be present. The um, adventure of travel is mental. Uh, but so many things uh, work against you. You know, I've got my iPad and my iPhone and my, um, my computer and 20 or 30 or 50 email messages, and the temptation is just to get sucked right in. But I made a decision a long time ago. I was going to turn those damn things off and you know, focus on what's happening right now, You because know, the adventure of travel is, um, it's uh, uh, serial. In other words, it's one thing at a time. And so you got to give up multitasking, and that means talking to Abby or the waitress or, uh, you know, taking in the landscape or the conversation. And, uh, you know, Reflections of the Business Nomad is me trying to make sense of everything I've seen the last 13 years, you know.
3: Well, you know, this is a fascinating conversation because I think in the stories that I have read in your book, there is a lot of compassion um, and there is a, a sense of Relatedness uh, that you bring up in the book that's uh, very compelling. So, um, you know, I think we're going to go to a quick break. I think when we come back, if we can talk about um, a little bit more of the, the questions that you pose at the end of each chapter that help the interested reader reflect, that would be fabulous, Pascal. So don't go away. We'll be right back. You're listening to Leadership Development News.
2: Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at Keyword Voice America.
1: You're listening to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers with your hosts, Dr. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions for these noted experts, so... Call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership
2: Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers. Today we're talking with Pascal uh, Dennis. He has a book called Reflections of a Business Nomad, wwwreflections of a business a nomad.com. You also have the website, www.leansystems.org.
6: And I'm sure, Pascal, your book is is on your leansystems.org also, right? Yeah, and at Amazon and Barnes and & Noble, all those jokers. Oh, good, good, good. All right,
2: great. Well, so uh, before the break, Kathy was saying about, you know, and I, well, I read some of the reviews from Amazon, people really did like the questions that you have at the end. So you got your kind of thoughts and queries. They say a little bit about kind of the, this part of the questions and,
6: and what you were trying to focus on with that. Well, you know, uh, conventional wisdom, so-called, uh, uh, really, it says. Assess- you have to give people the answer, you know. Right. Books should be very prescriptive. Here's how Here's how you do X. Uh, in that, uh, you know, they suggest that uh, people are too lazy or they're too busy or uh, what have you to reflect and stop and think and, and digest. But, you know, all my books' chapters end with uh, questions. You know, hit the pause button and just think about it and translate this idea into our own experience. So that's what I'm trying to do there, and I think that's really important for leaders. So leaders have to be reflective. you know, you have to ask yourself basic questions like, you know, what is justice? what is justice in a in a given business transaction, or if you're doing a performance appraisal, or you're dealing with a supplier, or uh, you know, a customer. Uh, and if we don't think of those things, we lose our foundation. And the really great companies, the oldest, the brilliant companies that we know and love, you know, that, that have been around hundred years, the Toyotas, the Procter and Gamble's, the Kimberly Clarks the IBMs, have a deep sense of connection to those kinds of questions. And in developing leaders, they develop reflective people. So that's what I'm trying to do. I want people to stop and think and uh, turn these ideas into their own words or their own images. And often I, there's, there's homework in the sense that where I say, okay, draw this out. You have an image, draw it out. And that way it becomes the readers, you know? <laughs> what I you like know? about that
3: yeah, it's, I think it's very you, you all, exciting, you, we, isn't it, really? I mean, it's very different. Yeah, and I think what we all do as
6: as
2: consultants is trying to ask the good question. I always say it's not the answer, it's the question that's most important. Yeah. But I think the other part, Pascal, that you're saying that's that's great to hear is, and I think that Kathy resonated on, is about 99% of the time we're on automatic, and we are just being these robots and really getting people to think in a reflective Aspect and also just be. You know, we're all human. We're all human doings instead of human beings. So that is really interesting. Is the being part that you're bringing to this?
6: Yeah, that's so good. Uh, really, I mean, your insight that most of us, you know, spend our time asleep. And by hitting the pause button, it's like you're shining the light into your into your head and saying, "Wake up! Hold on! What am I feeling right now? What am I seeing right now? What is this conversation? This landscape? What does this?" Business scenario, this drama that's unfolding mean, you know, and, and and thereby you can be much more effective as a, as a consultant. In, in a sense, it's like, I mean, I, you know, better than I. It's like organizational psychology. You're you're helping to treat the patient. In this case, the tra- patient is a, is an organization, and often it's asleep, as you say.
3: You know, it's it's fascinating to me as I uh, looked at some of the stories. How you. At least I easily connected with many of the subjects, um, the characters, um, the relevant history, and it's um, it's telling to me that as you as you say how important it is to learn as a road warrior that you can either create your own hell or you can create your own heaven or haven, if you will. Um, I think you, you mentioned in this um, little summary points that you sent us in preparation for today that if you you turn off the things that prevent you from being present, like your phone or your computer, and you understand that this is an adventure um, that is mental, and you try to understand that and connect to the people. That you're on the road with, it's a much more pleasant experience. Can you talk a little bit about that, Pesco?
6: Yeah, you know, you you raised so many uh, uh, rich ideas, Kathy. Um, So, um, hyperconnectivity eludes the intensity of travel, which I say is mental. You know, it's conversations, it's landscapes that you experience one at a time. So, um, by turning off your uh, your cell phone, you start to connect with the humanity around you, and you make um, uh, relationships that not only make you a better person, but a better consultant. I mean, I'm just struck by how people respond when you just ask them about themselves, about their organizations, about their culture, mm-hmm. religion, about their, uh, you know, history, and they open right up, and I've never... I think I've been lucky. Uh, I've very rarely had a bad experience. Um my normal life is people open up and they invite you to their homes. They, you know, you break bread with them. Long term relationships. Just the simple question of asking about them, you know, but to mm-hmm. do that, you've got to turn off the screens. Because I, I, as you say, we, we either create a haven for ourselves when we're traveling or a hell. You know, just a, a road warrior hell is. And we've all had this experience. You get off a 15-hour flight, you know, in Asia or Africa or South America. You turn on your BlackBerry, and instead of focusing on the immediate environment, you're flooded with emails, and you're not there. And yeah. The person that picks you up or the person you're working with senses you're not there, and senses you're really disrespect, you know? Like, I really don't want to be here. I want to be somewhere else, and I'm going to ignore you. And, and of course, uh, you don't have a good experience, you know?
3: Well, that's what. And you can enhance your experience so much more if you do a little bit of context thinking, right, use your brain correctly, and understand the culture you're in, and be uh, playful and exploratory with it, as opposed to treating it as a simple business trip in and out.
6: Oh, yeah, that's so true. Uh, you talk about you talked earlier about uh, neuroscience and. Brain plasticity and the happiness set point. I, I think people pick that up. You know, if, you're, if your body language, your mind uh, thereby is open, people will open up. And if you're, if, I call it the light touch, if you approach these things with the light touch, wonderful things happen. I remember I was in Beijing, really intense work. And then I took a couple of days and uh, uh, hired a driver, Mr. Zheng. And he and I drove around uh, Beijing, in and around the Great Wall and the, the great tombs of the Ming Dynasty. And I, I did what I normally do, which is just shoot the breeze with a guy, you know, tell him about myself, my family. He did the same. And I bought him a, a, a bottle of this high-end uh, Chinese moonshine. So I'd be exploring the, the Great Wall at Badaling, and Mr. Zheng would be out there in the, the Mongol wind. He'd be taking nips, you know. And... Uh, The last night uh, he invited me to old Beijing for dinner with his family, you know, and we were toasting uh, uh, everything and anything under the sun. And we invited the kitchen staff uh, there, you know, to to drink with us. And I have all these uh, bad photographs (laughs) that I still look at, and those memories are so rich. And that's only possible if you open up, if you turn off the damn screen and just respond to the human person, you know. Yeah, definitely. One of the
2: things, Pascal, that goes back to, uh, you know, is some of the virtues. And as someone listening to this, they maybe think, well, it takes a lot of courage. You know, I'm more comfortable, you know, being in my world, even though I'm more comfortable being in the world I just left versus being in the world I'm in now. Great. Yeah. <laughs> Anything you would say about, you know, what do you do to kind of give yourself that courage? Like, even like you're saying with your daughter, and I know with my young kids,
6: you know, they don't want you talking to anybody, or they're embarrassed by anybody you talk to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, I think you raised maybe the most important virtue of all, because without courage, all the other virtues are lifeless. You know, yep. courage, uh, prudence, and justice, etc., are t- lifeless. You don't have the, the guts to, to make the, the just decision, say, in a business transaction. So, um, similarly, when you're traveling, you, you've got to take a deep breath, and you've got to take the risk of saying hello, of um, uh, learning a bit about the person's culture. Uh, you've got to show respect, and you yourself the possible ridicule, I suppose. I've never had that experience. But, um, yeah, and the other thing is courage is not just good for you and good for your relationships, but it's good for your organization. If you have the wherewithal to do that, you make much better business relationships. Courage is good business. When you reach out like that, people respond in a different way, regardless of where you are. You could be in South America, or Hermosillo, Mexico, or Beijing, or Auckland, New Zealand, or... Um, and people will open up to you. And I, you know, I was in the Middle East not long ago, just before the, you know, the revolution there, and the the other the Tahrir Square demonstrations, and I made a lot of friends, and you know, we maintain email contact now, and they consider me a friend, and, and vice versa, because I think we show mutual respect. Mm. And it's very good for business. I mean, we can do business at the Suez Canal uh, for years if we want to. You know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, so that brings up some of the things about some of the themes and
2: scenarios that you've seen. You know, you know, being a business travel as you are, um, you know, those would be interesting perspectives, and I. I I uh, here we're going, to, we're going to go to a quick break and then we'll come back and, and we'll zero in on some of the, some of the maybe the themes and things that you have learned so this is leadership development news and we'll be right back be sure to friend us on Facebook, you can do it right now visit facebook.com forward slash voice america or search for us at keyword voice america
4: For free tips and downloads, visit Kathy's award-winning book site, WhatHappyWorkingMothersKnow.com. Or for distinctive learning, practical solutions, and proven results for your business, visit Kathy Greenberg at H2CLeadership.com. That's H2CLeadership.com.
5: you delegate effectively how do you develop strong relationships across the organization emotional intelligence training coaching books and tools by dr. Nadler are available at his website www.truenorthleadership.com or 805-683-1066
3: Welcome back
1: to Leadership Development
3: News. We've been having an engaging conversation with the author of the new book, Reflections of a Business Nomad, Pascal Dennis. And, um, you know, Pascal, I'd love to hear, um, before we reach uh, the end of our show, a little bit about um, how this work ties to, um, you know, what many of us would consider, you know, a business agenda. And... Um, And learn as much as we can from you before the end of the show. And I want to make sure that, again, we mention the name of the website. So people can go to www.leansystems.org. And the book is at www.reflections-of-a-business-nomad.com. So um, Pascal, getting back to the business of, uh, you know, Consulting how, how does all this tie together?
6: well, you know one of the uh, maybe the the, the most uh, common and deepest theme that I see over and over again in my travels you know all over the world, every inhabited continent I see uh, people and, and companies under intense pressure just to keep up with change you know. Um, I think it was Marshall McLuhan said that um, technological change, and we're in the midst of the greatest technological change in history, he said technological change exerts an, an abrasive effect on existing structures. Mm-hmm. Institutions, organizations, governments, unions, etc., etc., are under intense pressure. They're starting to, to fall apart, and they'll come together in a different way, but that intense pressure is the most common theme that I see. So that underlines a couple of questions. First of all, how do you keep your core values in this hurricane? You know, how do you prevent yourself from just becoming a jerk and a vicious, jackass and do awful things such as we uh, read in the paper, you know, betray your organization, betray your creditors, Country in many uh, many senses sense. so uh, one of the answers to that is we need to become much more reflective uh, leaders we need to reflect on the basics certainly the core virtues you know justice and temperance and and courage and we have to be able to hit the pause button and not get lost in in our screens to really practice a lot of the uh, the leadership behaviors that yourself and and really teach and thereby, we have a chance at surviving the, you know, the hurricane. And um, we will pass. The dust will settle, but we can't lose who we are, and can't lose our fight. So that—that's probably one takeaway. I think through this book, we start to hopefully understand ourselves a little better, understand mm. our values, and apply them to become better leaders. I love it. So, Pascal, along that line, so we talked about
2: the business kind of themes and scenarios. What about any kind of personal themes, like you just mentioned, that maybe people will see some things about themselves, but anything uh, that you've noticed in regards
6: to that? You know, really, uh, such a good question. I um, I'm struck everywhere I go by the fundamental search for, you know, basic human dignity and basic respect in every different place I've worked countries and cities and continents I, you know for example I was in the middle east as I said just before the uh you know the uh arab spring and the mm-hmm. demonstrations in Tahrir Square in Cairo and we did a bunch of uh, improvement activity you know and after each session it would be two or three day sessions of improvement in various sites around Egypt including the the Suez Canal people would line up to shake my hand and uh, they'd say, we're so happy to meet somebody like you. And I said, what do you mean somebody like me? And they said, oh, you respect us. Huh. And, I mean, the way I was trained at Toyota is you respect people. Everybody in the organization is a team member, and everybody, of course, deserves respect. It goes without saying. But in their situation, respect was an anomaly. I found it was really quite poignant, you know. And I've seen that over and over again. It's a fundamental search for dignity and respect, you know? Wow. That's powerful. And, and one of the things that, that Kathy and I just came across
2: from the neuroscience uh, track, you can either be your brain in, in, on a track around analysis, problem solving, or around empathy. And it's kind of the difference of, you know, what gets their attention is the shiny, shiny light is the problem of the day. And what falls into the background or the dull light you know, is the empathy, or really that's the respect? It's kind of that focus. Like it's there, but it's always kind of in the background. And you bring it. It sounds like you're able to, in your training, who you are,
6: bring it to the forefront, and with with, with a lot of lot of uh, positive responses. It's funny, really, the way I, I was trained, and I have to, you know, tip my hat to to Mr. Watanabe and our Toyota Senseis. But we were we were taught that there were two pillars. One was respect for people, and the other was problem-solving. Mm-hmm. And the house would fall unless you had both. Yeah, You had to have good problem-solving chops, but you had to have, I think, right. fundamentally, empathy. You know, because otherwise, why would people continuously improve? Why not just rest on your oars? Unless you feel, as I felt, I mentioned Mr. Watanabe, I always felt that he had my back. He was always looking out for me, and he was really tough on me and, and my colleagues in the management team. But I felt that he was looking out for me, and that he cared about me. Yeah. That made all the difference. Yeah.
3: Well, and that usually just... does. When somebody feels that someone is, in fact, um, giving them the, as you say, the respect um, and the dignity of caring for them, it, it provides a whole different performance platform for that person to operate at.
6: Yeah, I don't know how people could operate without that, Kathy, you know, to your
3: point. Yeah, yeah and unfortunately we know many people have to because yeah. they don't have contact with their with their bosses or their peers like you would in a factory setting. You know, where people are dependent yeah. upon the person in front of them and behind them for a quality product.
6: Yeah, yeah, I think that's a, a real risk of, you know, virtual corporations where let's say you're developing software or something like that. You know the, the feedback. You uh, know, in, in a really great factory, your downstream customer is a person. You know, uh, uh, Jenny, I I need to ten of these an hour. They got to be good. Uh, was the last one good? If not, you come on over and tell me what's wrong. And best factories work like that, and and it, they feel like a family. You know, the worst factories are something else, but I'm talking about the very best. You know. Absolutely. So, Pascal, we just got a minute or two, and
2: one of the things we wanted to highlight is um, some of the learnings. You know, a lot of your reflections deal with China and Japan. Anything kind of you want to highlight that you've learned with working
6: with those folks there? Oh, yeah. Gosh, I got so many stories. Um, With respect to China, uh, here's just a reflection the Chinese people are not our enemies they're our friends they're good people they have good values they want to be part of the broader world they're in the midst of the most incredible transformation in history you know millions of people are moving from farms to the city Mm. respect to Japan uh, this value of fortitude or courage is what comes through clearly the Fukushima disaster for example just brought that Japanese quality out again there's Banding together to, to fix this terrible problem, and much of it is volunteer work. And in spite of all their problems, they're they're marvelous people, and they're going to come out of this okay. Well, Pascal, this has been great.
2: We're out to maybe have you back again because this is some great insight. The book is Reflections of a Business Nomad. Uh, you can just type that in, and it'll, it'll come up in Amazon and all the different places. Uh, Pascal, thank you so much for taking the time and
6: sharing some of your wisdom. Really, uh, Kathy, it's always a pleasure. I'd love to come on anytime. Thank you both. So this is Leadership Development News. We're going to sign off uh,
2: for now. So continue to, to tune in to tune up your performance.
1: We'll talk to you again next week. Thank you. You've been listening to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers, with your hosts, Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We sincerely hope that you gained some great ideas and inspiration on how to elevate your leadership skills. Join us again next Monday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time right here on the Voice America Business Channel.
0: Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel.